Last fall, when it got too cold, I stopped riding my bike, as we do in cold climates when you get winter, snow and ice. Now, I don't have a place to put my bike inside, so I, I left it where it was, and I covered it with several tarps. But I never really did my, my normal storage procedure that I would do. Then the snow came, and we had a long winter here, and freeze and thaw as it does in the wintertime, and, and that froze those tarps solidly into the ground, literally. I, I could not get the tarps up at all to um, check the bike like I normally would. Normally, I would check it over and even start it up once in a while and I'd just check for anything um, that starts to rust or anything like that. It sat all winter like a frozen statue of a covered motorcycle. Then finally the snow melted and I could once again pull the tarps off and get the bike ready to ride. When I started it up, I was shocked to see what came out of the exhaust and then equally shocked by what I found in my air filter. You can hear more about this coming up on this episode. It took a fair bit of work for me to sort this out. I was lucky. It could have been a lot worse. All this because I, I really didn't do my storage procedure properly, at least not as good as I should have. Putting a motorcycle into storage is fairly common practice. I think most of us have run into it at some point or another, whether you're putting one bike away to ride another one, if you're lucky enough to have multiple motorcycles, or maybe you don't ride in the wintertime, so you store your motorcycle. That would be another storage situation. Or maybe you're doing a trip like riding from Texas down to Ushuaia, and you're doing it in chunks. In other words, you have two weeks or three weeks or a month. So you ride that distance, then you find a place to store the motorcycle, then you go back home. The next time you have time to ride or your next vacation, you fly down, you ride the bike a little more, you store it and you go home. Now, when leaving the motorcycle in storage or unused for a period of time, there's some things that you should do and there's some things that you should not do. There's also some things that you may want to consider when storing the bike and, and sort of mixing these up or forgetting them could be at the very least a headache for you or they could end up costing you a small fortune. And, and they could even be a huge headache for you. In other words, if you get the bike started and it doesn't run quite right or runs for a little while and then it quits on you, it could cut into your ride time, which is another um, kind of a, a major thing, depending on how you're looking at it. In particular, if you're doing a trip in those chunks that I said, that would make it very aggravating to ruin your ride time on something as silly as that. And it's also something that's, that's for the most part, preventable. So to avoid these horror stories, all you have to do is a little planning and due diligence all of which we're going to get the details today from experts in the field. We're going to talk about the mechanical side, of course, how to prep the bike and, and the area that you're going to store it in. And then we're also going to cover legalities and some other considerations about storing a bike in another country. All that coming up today. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vince. Simon Payton. Bill Bragoo. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Sean Thomas. And this is Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. CyclePump.com. 
while starting your motorcycle isn't overly complicated. It just takes a little time. And today we're going to walk through those steps, get you started on that. Now, if you're at home, you can always have a professional do this to get it ready for storage. But um, one advantage I think of taking this job on yourself is that it gives you the opportunity to go over the bike and learn more about it. And, and every time you do that, it's it makes it easier to recognize problems in the future because you already understand what things look like and how things are laid out on the motorcycle. Now, we are covering uh, what we're covering today is how to prep the motorcycle itself for storage, the things that you should consider beforehand. And um, then we're going to talk about remote storage or storing abroad. If you're storing your motorcycle in another country and then flying home and then going back at a later date, there's some things that you need to know and consider beforehand in that storage uh, application as well. And then you, you, the, the storage procedure is really the same as, as everything else. It's the same to store it in Peru as it is to store it in Texas. And this episode was a suggestion from listener Ewan McGregor. So thank you, Ewan, for the topic idea. I believe you said your bike was in in storage from 2019 to 2022. You really want to go over that one carefully uh, before putting it on the road, looking at your tires and and brakes and things like that specifically, as well as, I guess, your wheel bearings that we're not going to talk about in this episode today so much the wheel bearings. Everything else is in here for you, Ewan. Enjoy. To dig into the mechanicals, we contacted Ron Moffat from Peak Power Sports in Barrie, Ontario. Ron is a certified mechanic and living in a province that gets snow for half the year. He's got plenty of experience in storing and reviving motorcycles. Ron, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much. Well, what we're talking about here today is long-term storage. But before we get to that, I want to sort of find out about you. What made you get into um, working on motorcycles as a mechanic? Probably the same lunacy that addicted all of us to motorcycles. (laughs) Uh, I started riding out of maybe first year of college. I got my first street motorcycle and that was it. It It was motorcycles. And I started riding a lot. Uh, to a point after going through a couple of uh, motorcycles, making my way up in, in CCs and engine power to a point where I was doing endurance rallies out in Alberta, North Carolina. So I was putting on all kinds of miles. And of course, with that, you're having to do maintenance and repairs to your motorcycle all the time. And I just started doing it myself. And I had this wonderful idea. Well, if I could do this for a living, then I could just continue working on my own motorcycle and do everything myself. Not listening to all the other motorcycle mechanics that I knew (laughs) who were trying to tell me, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Okay, so what we're talking about is long-term storage, leaving your bike somewhere, maybe if, if you're going on a trip, because often people will go to a country, or they may go through several countries, and then decide to leave their motorcycle somewhere, fly back home, and come back and finish it at another time. And that is even a, a method for people to cruise around the world, basically, is, sure, it, is they, they're doing sure. it in their, in their vacation time. Now, it also could be wintertime. You could be storing it for the winter. So I think anyone who has a motorcycle has had to come across, at least at one point, had to think about, or maybe they should have thought about, how to store their bike properly. And Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about. So is there an overarching sort of concept that you have in mind when it comes to motorcycle storage? Uh, I would say that there are a couple of things to keep in mind that I 
keep in mind whenever I'm going to store store the machine for any length, even over the winter. And first of all, the state in which you put your motorcycle to sleep in will greatly dictate the state of your motorcycle when you try and revive it. Mm. So if you put it away, you've been riding through mud and dirt and, and whatnot, and it's you just pull the battery out of it and tuck it into the shed. Well, think about all that dirt and mud that is left on that machine. Now, I know here in, in Ontario, most of the soil, mud, and, and crud that ends up on, on motorcycles is either acidic or alkaline. Ooh. There's very little neutrality in soil anywhere. So you leave that on your exposed metal motorcycle. That's got anywhere from four months to six months to sit there and rot away at your motorcycle. Think about fork tubes, things like that. So first first thing you, you, I would strongly recommend is clean your motorcycle mm. because that's going to make a big difference when you go to take it out. It's like, oh, why, where's all this corrosion coming from? And uh, why are things so so dry and, and why are seals starting to, uh, to rupture? Um, second of all, the environment in which you store your motorcycle will greatly dictate the state of it when you come back to it. So uh, something as simple as whether the, 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 the space or room or, or place that you leave your motorcycle, is it temperature controlled? Is it going to have the sun shining on it throughout the day, heating things up, causing condensation? Uh, what about exposure to uh, the elements, rain, snow, sleep? That's all going to play a large part, uh, condition of your motorcycle and what you're going to have to be faced with when you try and revive it to continue with your trip or take it on your, on your ride. I'd say that the third thing, and this plays into the environment in which you leave it, something that oftentimes we don't think about, but I know from my perspective, having to deal with it every spring is the wildlife around. And in this part of the world, and Jim, I'm sure you're quite familiar with this. There is a creature that lives among us that loves motorcycles more than we do. Yeah. And it is the mouse. Yeah. And unfortunately they always bring their family too. They don't, they're not solo well, riders. <laughs> friends, family, they will turn your motorcycle into the Shangri-La condo complex of their <laughs> dreams. Yeah. And they use it for everything. Sometimes even including a food source. So when they try and eat through your air filter or start chewing all the wiring, the, the, the insulation off the wiring, that's when you run into real issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're terrible for anything, uh, for, for oh your, your regular vehicles. Mice are absolutely destructive. And I know this from experience. And, and what's surprising is the places they can get into. Like on, on my F800, I had no idea they would actually be able to climb up and go in the intake, which is kind of like a little horn, as you know, um, <laughs> behind everything. Like, how would a mouse get into that? Why? There's a memo that goes out to all the mice showing them where the intake is on every motorcycle out there. Right. Be because that's their favorite place is inside the airbox. Wow. Hey, so uh, before we get into rodents, and uh, this is all great stuff, I, I want to go back to, because you mentioned about how, where you're storing it. And you said, you know, is it going to be heated? Is it going to be unheated? And will the sun be shining on it? Which is, you know, a great thing that probably not many people will think of, of that heating and cooling and the condensation 
forming in there, causing rust and, and adding mm-hmm. water, water to our fuel, all of that stuff. So ideally, I guess if you were going to say the ideal situation, maybe start there and then work your way down. Uh, a, a nice, relatively temperature controlled room. And if it has windows, you might want to consider putting a cover over your motorcycle and that'll keep a lot of the UV off of the machine and it will inhibit as much uh, temperature uh, differentiation uh, throughout that timeline from radiation from the sun. And of course, the, the, the old thing is you fill your fuel tank with fuel before you store it uh, because you don't want the condensation to eat away at the inside of the metal fuel tank. Uh, and and there's, there's good logic in that for sure. Now with motorcycles, whether it be a, a, like mine, a 20-year-old uh, GS or something more modern today, a lot of the, the fuel tanks or fuel cells as they've kind of become are no longer metal but plastic. So the inside surface of the, the fuel tank is not necessarily going to be as, as affected by condensation so long as you have the, the wherewithal to, to clean that, to, to remove that moisture out of the tank before you try and revive it. Mm. However, uh, most manufacturers have now gone with a, a pump system and a filtration system for the fuel that is inside the fuel tank. And that's where I've found so many issues with motorcycles coming out of storage and, and in particular long-term storage and clients who have said, well, I, I thought I did it properly. I put the fuel stabilizer in. I filled it with fresh premium fuel, ran it for a bit to get it through the lines, and I left it in the garage, which is relatively temperature controlled. But of course, I go to start it up three years later, and it won't start. And I'm telling them they have to replace the pump, the pre-filter, the fuel filter, and all the rubber lines inside the fuel tank. Mm. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if it's uh, the, 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 the issue of the fuel separating into its base components. And we, we've all smelled that, that horrible smell. You pop open a, either a jerry can or a fuel tank and it, it just smells like Varsol. And you know that the fuel is off and it's separated and you end up with several components of, of what fuel was or is now. And one of them turns into this gooey sludge that is so horrible and corrosive that anything plastic or rubber, any petroleum product in there is just going to be eaten alive and it goes all mushy and the, the lines all swell up. Uh, so is that the best choice? I don't know. You know, is there, is there an overall best way to do this? Good question. With fuels uh, changing and with the ethanol content and, and whatnot, I've kind of got the, the gut feeling that they te- seem to separate a little faster now than they used to. Um, but as a, as a, a sideline, I've also found that some of the stabilizer products out there are really good. Just make sure you don't use too much of it which can cause problems. Okay. Let me go back though to the, to the, um, the storage first, uh, mm-hmm. before we get into the, into the technical stuff now. So as far, you said, you know, insides best and, and, and covered if you think you're going to have some sun on it and whatnot. So, and then it, what happens if you have to leave it outside? 
Um, really, is there much more can you that you can do other than a tarp? It, really, I, I, I don't know that there is, to be quite honest. If, if you're forced to leave your motorcycle outside, uh, the more you can protect it from the elements, uh, the better. But at the same time, unless it's in actually a, a, an opaque bubble, there's really not much more you can do with it. If you've got a tarp and, and maybe a cover underneath to give uh, a couple of different layers of protection for the machine. Mm-hmm. That's always a good idea. I've also seen, read about, and used a couple of products that are really good for surface uh, corrosion inhibitors. A couple of them even uh, provide a uh, the option of buying a spray kit that you can hose down the entire machine for your, your storage. Uh, now, I've never actually done that to a motorcycle ever, but I have used their product on more specific areas of the machine and they seem to do tremendously well. So there's also that option that, you know, certain areas you can put a little something, whether it be a bit of WD-40 or uh, the ACF-50, which is what I prefer, which comes from the aircraft industry, which works tremendously well for protecting little areas and electrical in particular. The other one that you, you talked about that you spray on, what's the name of that one? ACF 50. Oh, that's the one that you're talking about, the ACF yeah. 50. Okay. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with their their product. Now, is this just a spray on metal or is it like, would you spray everything on the bike? Apparently, the good folks from ACF offer a, a kit for actually spraying the entire machine. And of course, you got to cover the brakes, of course, because it, it is a, a lubricating type of fluid. But uh, I, I've... I understand that there are a couple of shops that will actually do this to your motorcycle before they store it. And uh, from from all reports, uh, it seems to be relatively successful. This, this could help mitigate some of the problem left from debris being on the bike. I'm not saying that you shouldn't wash it, but I mean, if you do wash it and you miss out stuff, which I, you know can be inevitable, that could help possibly mitigate that because you're adding some protectant onto it. Possibly. Neutralize Possibly. It. Yeah, um, um, I wouldn't have the data to to back that up, but yeah, theoretically, yeah, I mean, it, that might might be insistent. It makes sense for a logical thought process, anyway. Uh, but okay, so let's let's talk about the, what I was I wanted to do is break this down into two categories. One is going mm-hmm. into storage, and the other one is reviving it after the storage. So, going into storage, we we talked about okay, you've got to consider where you're going to store this, and obviously, a heated uh, place that that um, is dust free is is going to be our best. That makes sure. sense. What's next? What, what's the battery comes to my mind right off the bat, but let's go through the list. Yeah, I would say uh, we can start with battery and having the battery uh, removed from the motorcycle is ideal. That's what I prefer to do. Uh, and if, if you can have a, a trickle charge on it, that's certainly going to help as opposed to waiting until you're back to your motorcycle and, and, and charging to see if it's going to be... Uh, any good depends on your situation of course most smart trickle chargers will maintain a battery charge for quite a time depending on the condition of the battery initially of course okay so um that's batteries what's the next thing that comes to mind for you for storage yeah next i would uh, look at tires and make sure that you put in i would typically over inflate them to about 50 psi and 
creates a situation where when you come back to the motorcycle, there's a good chance there's going to be some decent pressure in there. So they're not flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what, how much can you safely overinflate? Each tire will have a rating on it as to maximum inflation pressure. So I know with a lot of Michelin sport touring tires, it's about 60 PSI. And they put that on there. Personally, I think mainly for uh, people changing the tires because they don't want you to inflate that uh, to try and seat the bead on there uh, for risk of, of damage or, or injury. Mm. But typically for storage, I'll put about 50 PSI in there. And that's pretty safe for almost every tire that I've come across so far. Right. Um, so then you're not coming back to your bike that's sitting on a squished down tire and, and possibly it. tube and, and everything there. Okay, that makes, that makes exactly. sense. If you happen to have uh, a motorcycle equipped with a center stand, that's ideal because it gets most of the weight off the tires. Hmm. Uh, and if you really want to get into it, and uh, typically if, if your motorcycle is going to be on concrete somewhere, concrete's an amazing item but it also has this capacity to uh, suck up moisture. So if you've got your tires sitting on the concrete, chances are it's going to be sucking some moisture out of the rubber. Oh, right. So if you can insulate that somehow, maybe with a small shaving of wood or uh, some cardboard might even work, depending on where you are, that might help. So you don't get those little spots that little contact spot where it's been sitting there for the last six months or two years or whatever it is. After that, I would, if you have a chain drive bike, make sure you service and lube the chain because if you don't, chances are those little spots that you can see on it when you put it away are going to be big spots when you come back to it. Mm. Uh, and then moving up to the fuel system. And this is always the, 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 the one that causes so much confusion and, and, and controversy and expense too. And, 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 oh, oh my goodness. You, know, you go to start your bike and it doesn't start. Well, now all of a sudden you have a problem, yeah. right? I mean. Yeah, absolutely correct. And I still maintain at this point that putting some stabilizer in the tank, filling it with fresh premium fuel and running it to make sure that you've got that mixed fuel stabilizer going through the lines right to the injectors or carbs if it, if it so happens. Um, is a good idea. Um, however, and here's a step that I've, I've started to utilize when I know that a machine's been in storage longer than just the winter is when I get back to it or it comes back to me, I will remove the fuel out of it just in case it has separated mm. and put fresh stuff in there. And it'll give you a much better chance of being able to start that machine right where you are. How do you know that, that whether it's been damaged or not? Because you mentioned about the fuel separating and then it, it's eating into the plastics, including the fuel pump and the pre-filter and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, chances are you, you're not going to find out until A, it will not start. Um, and if you're, you're running a, a more sophisticated machine, it may throw a fault code for uh, over voltage draw from the fuel pump and it'll shut the fuel pump off. And that's because it's working harder because it's dragging. That's correct. Mm. Yeah. Um, at which point then you're going to have to get into the tank and pull the filter and the, and the, uh, the pump 
just to see what's going on, possibly bench test it. But chances are, as soon as you open that tank and you can smell that Varsol smell, you get a pretty good idea of what's what's going on here. What do you think the, the length of time is that um, you could store the bike safely with that fuel that's in it without without sucking the fuel out and putting new fuel in? Mm. Typically, I have no problem over the winter here, mm-hmm. like uh, a, a five or six month winter. I haven't had any issues. Uh, many of the stabilizer products will indicate, uh, and and I would say it's a very optimistic indication in most cases as to how long it will keep fuel. But usually a year is a pretty safe bet hmm. in most cases. I've, I've had good results for, for motorcycles that uh, have been sitting for a year and, and able to get them going. But Ron, you also mentioned about the, the fact that the fuel separating and breaking mm-hmm. things down. And, and you sort of alluded to, you know, that your thought process still to fill the tank up to avoid the condensation what about leaving it empty? I mean, you've obviously thought this, so why not yep. leave it empty? Uh, and uh, excellent question. And that's the other side of the coin and that's the other side of the controversy. However, what I have experienced is motorcycles coming in that have been left empty. Once again, customer thinking I'm doing the right thing. I'll take all the fuel out of it. So I don't have to be concerned about that. Sadly, uh, after a while, the rubber and plastic parts inside there start to dry out. So now the rubber lines are all cracked. <laughs> you can't win for losing with this. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's been that age-old problem with motorcycles that we, you know, living in, in a place where you, you can't ride year-round, that you're faced with every year. And there's still, to my knowledge, not a here's the fail safe way. You're not going to have any problems. I I haven't found it yet. Mm -hmm. The fuel stabilizer additive. Is there a way to tell a good brand from a bad brand? Uh, If you're seeing it on late night TV and commercials for it, I'd probably stay away from it. (laughs) They still do that. (laughs) They still do that. You're staying up too late. (laughs) Now it's on the internet. Oh, there you go. (laughs) But, uh, so I've used brands that you can find. I've used the the there's a, a BMW brand which I'm quite familiar with uh, that they utilize, which is also a fuel system cleaner, which I've had really great results with. In the past, I've used a Bell Ray product. I've also used an STP product, mm-hmm. um, and those have all worked really well. And typically, the only problem that I've run into is when too much of that product has been added to the volume of fuel. So what does it do? It, it has a lot of problems starting. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, Eventually you can get them going, but it uh, does take a little persuasion, but not necessarily long-term damage from it or anything. Correct. Correct. Okay. And you mentioned you put that additive in and then you run the bike for a while to make sure that it's throughout the bike. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ideally, what you'd like to do is have a, a, a tank that's maybe a half full uh, or less. And that way, you, when you put the additive in and you put the fresh fuel in on top of it, it mixes it all really well. Oh, and right. it gets throughout all the fuel. Uh, so you've got a much better chance when you run it that you're actually getting proper mixture going through the lines to the injectors or the carbs. 
Okay. And, and that's the real important stuff, isn't it? The, the battery and the fuel, like th- those are the big ones. Those are the big ones for sure. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned the chain. How about the engine itself inside? Now that there's a fogging process that you can do for storing engines or you spray oil into the, the um, intake. What do you think about that? Would you recommend that? I have, uh, for, for winter storage anyways, I have not been doing that with motorcycles. What I do recommend is doing an oil change and uh, circulating the oil. So when you're run the motorcycle probably to push the uh, the fuel stabilizer fuel through the unit you run the engine oil and circulate fresh oil throughout the engine that's always a great idea and that way you don't have all those nasty particulates in the old oil sitting on your engine parts for you know five plus months right so that could be corrosion that you would be getting absolutely from okay sure that makes that makes sense for yeah sure. with modern engines, there are also so many plastic parts inside them now that uh, the cleaner you can keep your oil, the better. Ah, okay. We're going to take just a quick break here while I tell you about a couple of things, but stay with us because when we come back, I'm going to fill you in a little bit more about that story I told you about with my exhaust, with stuff coming out. Stay with us. Moto Camp Nerd. It's a motorcycle camping store. Actually, they call it the motorcycle camping store because they say it's the only one of its kind, and I haven't come across this either. Moto Camp Nerd. It's the brainchild of Ben and Mary Williams from Trinity, North Carolina. And what they have here is a a store that focuses 100% on motorcycle camping, supplying us riders with ride-quality camping gear. And guess what? They just opened a new store in Archdale, North Carolina, near Trinity. This would make a good ride destination you know, on your route or maybe just a place to go to. Anyway, they, they, they do this, um, this, this supplying us with gear by, by stocking the gear. They don't do drop shipping. They've got gear that suits motorcycle riding. So they choose gear that packs small and works well for us riders. They're authorized dealers for brands like Nemo, Big Agnes, Sea to Summit, and Ben and Mary, the owners, they're, they're motorcycle campers themselves. So you're, when you're dealing with Moto Camp Nerd, you're dealing with riders that care very much about what they're doing, a husband and wife team. And, you know, this could solve a lot of dilemmas be, uh, on deciding on gear because we hear questions like this all the time. You know, and I'm sure you have too. You, which, tent, which tent is best suited for motorcycle camping, which sleeping bag is? Well, here you've got people who've tried it and specialized, make it their, their, their vocation to understand what is needed for motorcycle camping gear and supplying you with that gear. Motocampnerd.com is a website. You're only going to find gear here that suits motorcycle camping and Ben and Mary there to help with your questions. So if you have a question, can't decide, just shoot them an email and they said they're happy to help sort you out. Motocampnerd.com and anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Overland Expo is huge and coming this July 8 to 10, 2022 at the Deschutes County Expo Center in Bend, Oregon, is the PNW Overland Expo. They've done such an amazing job at, at making this this huge event. And for us motorcyclists, it's the place you need to be. They've got so many vendors and exhibitors, not to mention a host of presenters and, and overlanders of all walks. Matter of fact, if you just go to their website, overlandexpo.com, look at the PNW link. You can't help but get excited just looking at the list of things they have going on. There's so much to do. They've got MESA, what they call MESA, which is the Motorcycle Expedition Skills Area. There you're going to find Bill Dragoo. You've heard Bill here on our Rider Skills program, and he is his team of riding instructors there to do off-road instruction. That would be well worth the weekend alone. They also have a beginner program, which I think is kind of neat because if you have somebody with you that 
maybe they're a little interested in motorcycling, but they're not really sure. Well, they have a whole team there that's set up to take people who have never been on a bike and get them on their first ride. That is very cool. They also have the Moto Dinner Party, which I think they do at all the Overland Expos. And they've got giveaways there. Just a whole bunch of fun and a whole bunch to see. And you're, and you're right in there with all kinds of people who are already travelers, if you're interested in traveling. So there's so much information there. And I did mention the, uh, the vendors as well. There's uh, places where you can get all kinds of gear for your bike and all in one location. Absolutely amazing. Overlandexpo.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Overland Expo this July 8th to 10th at the Deschutes County Expo Center in Bend, Oregon. Now, what about the intake and exhaust? Do you, would you recommend plugging those? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there are definite benefits to doing that. My suggestion, if you're going to do that, leave some sort of reminder to yourself that you have done that. Because I can tell you a number of times where people have called me and said, I can't get the bike started. I stored it. I can't get it started. Uh, and it, it shows up at the shop and there's a sock in the intake. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you want to, yeah, it's like with the airplanes when they, they have those big tassels they put on, don't they? When they, when they plug the engines. That, and that's exactly yeah. why they put them on there. Yeah. Exactly why. And uh, just simple things. It's, it's the right idea. You want to try and keep the, uh, the local mice from making a home in your airbox and the exhaust. I haven't seen too much of that in the exhaust uh perhaps you might have more issues with insects finding their way into the exhaust mm. but uh, let's face it the exhaust is a pretty inhospitable place unless it's been sitting for quite a while yeah i i it's very strange that the the run-in i had with mice over this past winter but i had the exhaust and that really shocked me i mean no, i had to really run, yeah i had to run it and i watched um uh, seeds fly out of that exhaust for, <laughs> for probably uh, 10 minutes. And at first oh it was goodness. substantial. It was like a popcorn machine, you know, with the, the sunflower <laughs> seeds, all the shells all blowing out. It's like, I can't believe that. <laughs> so so I've, got, I've yet to run into that one. I'm that's, that's uh wow. That's unexpected. Yeah, I should have got, I should have hey, got video of that. Great lesson for us right there. Yeah. And maybe not a bad idea to plug up the exhaust as well. Make sure it's, and folks, make sure it's cool before you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good tip as well. Mm -hmm. You said store and center stand. That's great. That was one thing I was going to ask you about as well. What about the brakes? Is, is there anything you do to the brakes, bearings, anything like that? Typically over the winter, especially if it's not going to be outside, you're not going to have to worry too much about the brakes. I would recommend in the spring, it's always ideal to start the season off right, bleed the brakes in the spring. And that way it gives you a really good opportunity, not only to take a look at them, but also to make sure that everything's working properly. You don't have any leaks. The line hasn't let go, et cetera. Did you say um, bleed the brakes or do the brakes? Bleed the brakes. Bleed the brakes. Okay. Yeah. Always a good idea. And that way you're good for the season. Uh, now, Inevitably, especially if there's any sort of moisture content around, uh, with your motorcycle sitting there for as long as it's going to be sitting there, and I would say anything over a month, there's a good chance that the there's going to be some transfer of the brake pad material onto the rotor. And you'll see it as soon as you move the bike, and it's that spot where the brake pad's been sitting. Oh, yeah. But 
if, if you really want to get nitty gritty in the spring, you can always clean that off with a bit of uh, sandpaper um, or just go for a good ride. It'll clean it off. Mm, so it's nothing to worry about. It's just one of those things that does happen. Yeah. Now, okay. if, if you try and move the bike and it won't move because the brakes are seized on there, that's something else entirely. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh, in a, a storage situation, you're not going to have too much issue there. Is there anything else um, for putting it into storage? Remember that you love your motorcycle <laughs> and try and keep that in mind. Spend the extra time. Mm. It's worth it. Um, and it's something that has just become a possibility given this topic recently for me was uh, it just so happened that I, I knew someone who was heading overseas to work for a number of years and, and uh, loved their motorcycle and said, Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to store it properly and put it in a proper place. And I thought, well, okay, you're paying for storage because you want to do this right. And you're going to come back in probably five or six years. Why not consider just selling your motorcycle, put the money somewhere where you're not going to touch it and come back and buy yourself another motorcycle. Mm. That's and an excellent point. It, it, you know what? As motorcyclists, I can't think of a greater, more exciting moment when you realize I get to buy myself another motorcycle. <laughs> That's true. You may, you may be cheered up, though, about letting the old one go, depending on what you've been through with it. Well, that's true, actually. <laughs> Finally. But, but it does make sense what you're saying. If, if it's a very long period like that, you're probably going to have more aggravation coming back and dealing with get, trying to revive the motorcycle oh than my what goodness. it's worth. Absolutely. It's, you're well worth, uh, even if you have to, to take some time and, and put a bit of money into it to sell it, uh, it just having the, the, the peace of mind knowing that you don't have to worry about it. Mm. Okay, so we, we've got the bike stored. Now we're coming back to to revive the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So it's sitting there. It's either covered or stored up somewhere. Um, what do we do with this? We've, we've got it full of fuel. We've got the battery disconnected and, and um, sitting aside, hopefully on a trickle charger, like you said. But mm-hmm. uh, what's our first approach? The first thing I always try to do is uh, just be aware of your senses. If you can smell something really bad, have mice found their way in there? Cause that's going to be the first indicator. And if everything seems okay there, pop the fuel cap open. And you know, if it smells like you've just been to the gas station, great, you're good to go. But if it smells like Varsol, then don't even hit the start button. Just mm-hmm. stop right there and suck that stuff out. Right. Put in that fresh would be stuff. The, yeah. 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 And, and start and start fresh. Uh, you know, it's going to be dependent on where and for how long the machine's been stored, of course. Mm-hmm. But I would say those two things are, are going to be uh, good indicators. Take a look at the machine because if something's happened over that time, now's a good time to take a good look at it just to make sure that, hey, someone hasn't, you know, backed up a forklift and bumped into it or it hasn't fallen over uh, mm-hmm. and make sure all the parts are still on it. Uh, it, it's it's amazing what can happen when the bike's in storage and, and you're not there to, to yes, watch it. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. Um, and then, of course, uh, install your battery. Make sure the contacts are tight and you have positive to positive and negative to negative. That's always important. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure all the lights work. 
the horn works. Uh, these are little tests that uh, might be good indicators as to maybe if there was any wiring damage uh, throughout the the off season. Uh, if something doesn't work, it's like, oh, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Uh, safety switches, side stand switch, etc. Um, and if everything looks good, well, hey, great, give it a give it a touch of the button and see what happens. Chances are, and I've had very few motorcycles that start the first time uh, when they touch the button. They're, they're kind of like bears; they don't really want to get up. They have to be motivated. Hmm. And then I'm ever hopeful that your machine will will jump to life and and uh, everyone's happy. Check your tire pressures because chances are you're going to have to make some sort of uh, adjustment there, and uh, you're probably going to have to put air in them. Uh, brakes, of course, always a good idea, and that's part of your 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 walk around and, and looking just to make sure that uh, there's no leaks or cracks in the lines if you're still running rubber lines. Uh, Squeeze the brakes, the, the brake levers, to make sure that they don't go right to the bar or right to the bottom of the stop. Uh, basically, it's a it's a really good safety check, like I a mean, pre ride check that you would uh, do. That, it, even better than a pre ride check, because right. a pre ride check. I mean, most people <laughs> I've seen their pre ride checks. It's like, uh, yeah. oh yeah, it's got both wheels. Let's go. <laughs> you know what you're supposed to do for a pre ride check, but how many actually do it? I, I actually Very I few. do try and just do a walk around the bike. Good for you. And, and just do a quick, like, but it's not thorough. It's not like a proper pre-ride check, but it is a walk around the bike just to make sure everything looks right. And I always kick the tires mm-hmm. just to see if there's air and there's a pressure. And you, you get used to how much pressure's in your tire like within reason, right? I sure, can tell, okay, sure. that's that's good enough sort of thing. But I was going to mention about the rodents because you, you, we, we've talked about rodents and I was going to say rodents are difficult. It's difficult to tell sometimes if rodents have actually made it into your bike. I mentioned about my intakes. Oh, I, had, sure. I had no idea they were in there until I started it. That's when I found out. Do you have some sort of check that you do for for rodents to see if it's it's they've been in there? Uh, the the first and easiest one is a is a smell check, and it, it uh, and maybe maybe I've become so accustomed to it that I know what I'm I'm smelling, but uh, mice also use your motorcycle as a latrine, and that carries with it a very distinct and strong odor. And if you can smell that and, and, you know, take the seat off your bike, if it's, you know, especially if it's a, a, not a bolt on seat and just take a look around. If you're seeing seeds or bits of air filter or, uh, wood chips, wood chips are really important to mice for some reason. Uh, if you're seeing those throughout the motorcycle underneath the seat, then it's like, okay, we know somebody's been here in here at some point, at least. Yeah, that's where you and want to look a little deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What? Where are the places they like to be? Their favorite place is the airbox. Hmm. That is where they'll generally build their nest. Hopefully, they get a taste and and take a eat a chunk out of the air filter and realize, ah, I don't like the taste of that, and they'll stop. Sometimes that's not the case, and uh, and. and and thankfully, most air filters now come with like a, a metal mesh screen on them, so they can't get all the way through the yeah, filter yeah. into the intake, like uh, into the, the the intake of the engine. But uh, occasionally, I'll get a, a machine that is taken out of storage, and 
the client comes in, it's like, it's just, it's lacking in power and I don't know what's going on. And chances are I'll, I'll get to the air box and I can smell it. So you take the air box off and shake out the, you know, 20 or $30 worth of corn and seeds and, <laughs> and whatnot into the garbage can and uh, put a new filter in it and voila, you know, you're, you're back in business. But uh, the, the, the smell test is usually a good one for me and finding debris uh, lying around. And it usually won't be on the ground. It'll be somewhere in the, in the motorcycle. So you take your seat off. That's a nice big area there to take a look at things. And uh, if your motorcycle is one where there, there are electrical components there, take a look at the wiring. Mm-hmm. Because if they've been there for a while, they love the insulation on wiring. And there's some kind of wiring that they like more than others. I've actually I, heard that some vehicles sort of attract mice to their wire looms because of what they're made of. Yeah. And I think it's the more, more expensive stuff. I think they're quite particular to that. Ah, this makes <laughs> sense, doesn't it? If, if you're coming to, oh, and I was going uh, to ask you, do you have any, um, any recommendations on how to get or how to keep the rodents out? Have you ever tried mothballs or anything like that? Uh, I know a number of clients who have used mothballs and had uh, and had at least some success with that. Oh. Absolutely. Um, what else? Uh, uh, putting some uh, steel wool in the intake because mm-hmm. that's a lot less interesting to try and eat through as opposed to a sock or you know piece of styrofoam. Oh, that's a good point. Whatever you're plugging it with, you want to make sure it's something that doesn't give them pleasure in chewing it up. You that makes got sense. it. Yeah. Yeah. So some steel wool, uh, an SOS pad, that kind mm-hmm. of thing that always works well. Um, mothballs, not a bad idea that they, they're not keen on those. It's amazing what they will put up with though, in certain circumstances. Yeah, like when you start the engine, it doesn't seem to deter them. For some reason, they'll just stay there and wait for you to shut it off, which just blows my mind. And and in this scenario, I have had motorcycles ridden in for me to try and diagnose the problem. I take everything apart, get to the airbox, take the the mouth of the airbox off, and the mouse jumps out at me. (laughs) It's bizarre. It's very upset that I've disrupted things there. Yeah. But uh, I would say that uh, in certain circumstances, and I've, I've, I'm just starting to try this on, uh, on the odd motorcycle for storage, uh, un- places like under the seat that are easily accessible, I've been using some of that uh, ACF50 product that I mentioned before and spraying it on the electrical wires and connections and components and trying to see if it's a deterrent. Mm for mice. And it's, it's very difficult to gather data on that. Um, but I I can say so far so good. Mm, Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that would give them something that hopefully would give them a bad taste. Um, Um, I'm hoping I haven't tasted the stuff myself, but, uh, I I can't imagine. You should do is really (laughs) taste that stuff and just see exactly. I I, I mean, it could be good. You might, you might be right. I know it's not FDA approved though. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so uh, let's imagine that somebody's come back to, to revitalize their bike after they had it stored Mm -hmm. somewhere. Maybe they're in another country, maybe they're not, it doesn't matter, but they go to start it. Now the battery is an obvious one that, you know, if it cranks over slow, you know, the battery is going to be, it's like on its way out. That's a fairly easy thing to solve. But if the battery is good and the thing winds over and over and over and doesn't fire up, Mm -hmm. what what should they look at to begin with? 
Well, <laughs> good question. I would check first thing, check the basics, make sure the side stand is up because if the clutch switch is, is not working, you're going to have side stand up the transmission in neutral and make sure that the emergency kill switch is in the run position. Mm. It, it sounds like a ridiculously silly thing to say, but the mindset that you're in when you stash your motorcycle may be, okay, I'm going to make sure that there's no way that this is going to start on its own kind of thing because you're, you're concerned, you're worried. And so you, you turn all the, the safeties and the switches off and you leave it in gear and you leave the side stand down. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, who knows? You don't know who's been wandering by and messing around with your machine, right? Of course. Yeah. So just make sure that all the safeties are in place in case you're missing something simple, like the red switch on the right side, make sure that's in the right spot. Uh, barring that and everything looks good there, that's a good question. That's when diagnostics have to start. Is it getting uh, air? So make sure you've checked your intake, uh, at least you pulled the stops out of the intake and, and in your case, the exhaust. Uh, <laughs> from now on, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then you may have to get into it. Is it getting spark? Is it getting fuel? And that's, that's when you get into it. Right. And it's, it's more likely, I know this is a real guess and mechanics hate this sort of stuff, but it's more likely it would be fuel. Would that, that would, that's going to be your likely, your culprit. Most likely that is usually the culprit. Mm-hmm. Yes. There have been a, a couple of exceptions to that. And, uh, at a couple of bikes where, mice ate the wiring to the coils. Oh. So there was no spark. I was like, okay, the wires look good. The plugs look good. And it's not until you get in there. It's like, oh, what's this wire just dangling here? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. But uh, in in most cases for storage, it's usually fuel related. I, I, I love the mechanic thought process because I said to you, you know, what should they check? And you immediately said, check the obvious things like, you know, your, your kill switch and, th- and things like that, that are all those obvious things, because let's face it, you come back after six months or a year, whatever it is, you are not as familiar with your bike as if you ride it every day. And all and, you're thinking is you're excited. You want to go for a ride. Oh yeah. And how many people will pop the, the, the tank out at that point and say, oh, I got to check the fuel. I got to pull this all apart. I mean, <laughs> nope, you've heard everyone these just wants to, oh, everyone just wants to drop the battery and hit the button and go. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I've, uh, I've seen this before where somebody has trouble starting a bike. They're going and they're working and they're working and they're working. And then somebody will say, did you check the kill switch? And sort of everybody stands there. Yeah, and sure enough, it's the kill switch. <laughs> it's the, and it is the, 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 the kiss approach. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. Make sure you don't overcomplicate things by, by just blowing past all the basic stuff. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, and it, it's, it's always such a happy day when you realize, Oh, Kill switch, right? Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, as long as you thrilling. haven't pulled your gas tank out, you know, or pulled your fuel <laughs> your pump out. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as you notice it fairly quickly, then it's the then it's a great thing. Otherwise, That's it's just one of those things you just don't want to talk about afterwards. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely 100 percent correct. Is there anything else you can think of, Ron, that we we should be thinking about when it comes to storing or reviving the bike? Uh, when you go to restore your uh, revive your motorcycle, make sure you've got some some tools with you. Sometimes a, a bit of sandpaper for cleaning off electrical contacts, 
over a winter, corrosion can happen on, on battery leads as well. So making sure that that stuff's all clean so you get a nice clean contact with the battery is always a good idea. And uh, the proper tools to, to tighten down the, the fasteners, um, loose battery terminals are, are a problem every spring for sure. Um, give yourself time. Patience is the, the one thing that no one has in the spring when they're thinking about riding their motorcycle. Yeah. And it, it really is a, a mindset. Okay, today, all we have to do is get it running and or figure out why it's not running. And, you know, don't, don't show up with all your riding gear going, well, I'm going to hit the button and, and take off for Argentina. Yeah. Uh, probably not a good idea. Plan the time to spend looking it over, checking it, making sure everything's right and fixing whatever that's you have correct. to. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Very good point. Now, what we always say to everybody is uh, for this sort of stuff, or, you know, a lot of people say on the show is, is um, use the tools that you have on your bike all the time for your, for your maintenance. So the same could say, it could be said for storage. If you're getting it ready for storage, if you can use the tools that you already carry on your bike, at least you know they're going to be there for you when you come back in the in the spring or whatever it is. I absolutely, yeah, that's a great idea to ensure that you're carrying that stuff with you on a regular basis. Not a bad idea. Yeah, because you don't want to get there and find out that oh, I need the I need the long shaft screwdriver for this one, right? Or I needed a 13 mm-hmm. millimeter socket and I don't have one. You know, so sure. that's the importance of that. Yeah. And it make sure you've got at least three different versions of 10 millimeter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's great, Ron. Hey, it's been a lot of fun talking with you and thank you very much. You've got some great ideas in there and stuff that I, I wasn't thinking of at all. So I do appreciate your time. Well, this has been truly enjoyable and thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, it's been a, a great conversation, Jim. Thank you. That was Ron Moffitt from Peak Power Sports in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. We've got a few photos of Ron in the show notes, as well as that list of storage steps and reviving steps he just gave us. We've got that in a written list in the show notes for this episode at AdventureRiderRadio.com. going to take a quick break while I tell you about a couple of things, but stay with us because when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the things you should keep in mind when you're storing your bike in another country. Stay with us. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. Giant Loop is inspired by years of personal riding experiences and feedback gathered from riders across the globe. They design products for travel, discovery, and exploration, and and they believe that lighter and simpler is better. How we ride as motorcyclists, they feel, shouldn't be dictated by what's strapped to our vehicles. Riding's just plain more fun when unnecessary weight and bulk are removed. I don't think anyone can argue with that. And they focus on what's needed to serve the product's mission. I like this. No strap, no extra straps, no extra buckles, no everything in the kitchen sink designs. Instead, each product is purpose-built to enhance the riding experience for those who want a modular and customizable packing system that's stable, durable, uh, intuitive, and lightweight. So um, discover a whole new world of uh, adventure with intuitive, functional, durable gear that requires little more than sort of plug and play set up with it. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. The website is giantloopmoto.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. giantloopmoto.com. 
There's no doubt if you ride any sort of dirt at all, you can end up standing on your pegs at some time. Particularly with adventure bikes, we love to stand on our pegs because it gives us more control. But you won't have control unless your feet are really locked to those foot pegs, meaning that you need to replace those factory foot pegs because they're not made for the type of riding you do and replace them with a high quality set like IMS products. IMS products has a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs right on from these super wide ADV1 and ADV2 down on to the, the core enduro pegs. They're made in the USA. They're warranted for life. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Okay, now we're going to talk about leaving your bike in another country. Hi, I'm Grant Johnson. I'm from Canada and I run Horizons Unlimited, the motorcycle adventure travel website for those who want to get out and go a little farther than they've gone before. Hey, Grant, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here again. So when we're talking about storing bikes long term, some people obviously like to do this, you know, they or, or may have to for some reason, go to another country, for instance, and end up leaving their bike, go home and come back. Let's start there. And what's the first thing you think we should talk about with that? Well, there's lots of difficulties with leaving your bike in another country. There's there's places where, yeah, it's no big deal. You just leave the bike and come back whenever you want to come back and everything's fine. And there's others where there's all kinds of paperwork and regulations and rules and things you have to do and things you have to understand. So I think the most important thing is to understand why those restrictions and rules are in place. And it's all about customs, duties, and taxes. And those taxes for importing a bike to a country can range from zero, right, to over 300%. Mm. So if you've got a $20,000 motorcycle, if you were going to bring that bike into the country and leave it, you would have to pay $60,000 in taxes <sighs> just to bring it in. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty staggering, I know. Um, if you wanted to bring a vehicle into Singapore when I was living there, the uh, rate to get a plate so you could drive it on the streets was going for around eighty to a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and it was only good was only good for twenty years. Wow. Then you had to either pay it again or give the government the vehicle. Now that may have changed. This was in around two thousand when I was there. Um, ninety five, sorry, ninety five. I was there. Uh, but the concept of duties and taxes, governments want to make sure that they get their money when you bring a vehicle into the country. A lot of countries, it's very, it's, it's one of the more important methods of getting money. They want to make sure that they've got that tax to pay their bills. So once you find out the legalities of it and see that you can, you can possibly do it, where are you going to store it becomes a bit of an issue, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a number of different ways of doing it. Um, one of the methods that we recommend very often and works very well is to contact your local Horizons Unlimited community and see if there's anybody who can store your bike. I mean, they ride a motorcycle themselves or they wouldn't be in the community and they always want to help people out. So check in, see what, if they can help you store it. Don't bother asking them. Well, you could, yeah, I suppose you could ask, 
if they know anything about what the legalities are about storing it, but generally they don't know because they've got no reason to know. So you need to go to the website and do your research online to find out what are the regulations as far as leaving it there. But as for somewhere to leave it, community people are excellent. Um, Hang on. Now, can, now, for those who don't know what the community is, th- these are these are small uh, groups that are set up, sort of subgroups that are set up on Horizons Unlimited for particular geographic locations. Yeah, there's 850 communities, which are based around some kind of a town of various sizes. Um, so 850 of them worldwide. And basically they say, they're basically putting their hand up saying, you need help as a traveler? I will help. Mm, can't beat so, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the things I've seen have been just absolutely fantastic. Bikes have been looked stored for months and years. And um, I know one guy broke a leg and a community member took the guy in and looked after him for three months. Yeah, I mean, really, they, they really want to help you out. Mm-hmm. Very good. So definitely worth checking. Um, and don't ever think that you're putting them out because they put their name up because they want to meet you. To them, you are really exciting and interesting. Something to somebody to bring all their friends, their motorcycle riding friends around and everybody sit out in the barbecue and have a good time and mm-hmm. talk to each other about travel and stuff like that. I mean, that's what it's all about. And you a kindred give back spirit. To them. Yeah, totally kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. So where else you can store your bike? Um, there are commercial garages. Uh, there's a place in Germany, uh, Stefan Knopf is one. Um, Ireland, Motorfirmi, um, Martin Hurley, uh, Uruguay, there's Willy Motos, Dakar Motos in Argentina. Um, there's a few others around, but not very common. Those are the main ones that are well known, and I can recommend all of them. Uh, so there's those places. You can also go to customs and say, I have to leave the country. What do I do with my bike? How do I make it legal so that I don't overstay my welcome? And there's a method where you put it into bond in a customs warehouse and you will have to pay them for that, but it's effectively out of the country. So your um, importation, temporary importation permit is not going to run into trouble. It's not going to expire. So you can do that, but you've got to talk to the local customs guy. Preferably you go to the capital city and you go to the head customs guy and say, this is what I need to do. And this is why, you know, I've got a family problem or whatever. There's a real issue and you have to overstay, but you need to leave the bike somewhere. This is for countries where you have to leave for a certain time. Just to be clear with this, you're not talking about when you're doing the border crossing because that sort of goes against no, no. all the advice where you've said before is, you know, don't offer up information and don't ask questions, stupid questions that are going to yeah. lead you somewhere. Yeah, keep your mouth shut when you enter the border. Do right. not ask questions at the border. Don't, don't ask about leaving your bike in the country when you're doing the border crossing. <laughs> no. Do the border crossing, no. go to the country, and then deal with it within the country. Yeah, absolutely. Keep your mouth shut at the border. The less you tell them, the better. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so this is once you're in and you're organized and you suddenly discover, oh, I need to go home for some reason. Then you go to Adwana customs people, whoever, and say, this is the situation. What do I do? Right. And it, it, I mean, I have heard of the customs people say, you're out of luck. You have to take it out or they confiscate it. And I know one guy who said, okay. And he left. That was it. Bike's gone. Left so the bike. You have to make sure you have your rules. He left the bike. He, he left the bike. They oh. confiscated it. And that was it. It was gone. Yeah. Well, COVID. So you want to make up- sure that you're. 
Uh, now, as, as far as insurance goes, as far as the safety of the motorcycle, safety of your your investment, I don't think there's really any way, or is there any way? Have you ever heard of that, of insuring no. your motorcycle stored somewhere? No, no hope. Zero. Forget it. Don't even think about it. There, There is no insurance. You are self-insured on your motorcycle. That's, mm-hmm. that's the fact of life. Once you leave your home country, that's it. There is no insurance available anywhere from anybody that I've ever heard of. Now, we sort of talked about what happens, you know, if, if you overstay. If you can't return for some reason, there's a time limit. You're either going to have to pay whatever penalty they have for it or kiss the motorcycle goodbye. Yeah, and the penalty can be very small or it can be very big. Um, a really good example is one guy had a Harley in a Central American country. He entered got his bike stamped in, got his passport stamped for the length of time he was able to stay. He was all happy. Everything's good. He left. And when he wanted to leave the country, he discovered that the stamp for him was three months. The stamp for the bike was 30 days. Mm. And he was leaving at two and a half months. The bike was now illegal. Oh, dear. Wow. Well, he went, he had dual citizenship in two countries. He went to the um, ambassador for both countries. They intervened on his behalf. He argued about it for, I think it was three weeks, and he ended up paying about a $5,000 fine because he did not check the date stamp on his passport. He did not look at them both and say, yep, they're both the period of time I wanted. So there's your lesson is, Check what they stamp in. What they say and what they stamp may not be the same. If for some reason you can't return, you, you end up um, going beyond the uh, the time you could store your bike and it's at somebody's, a friend's place. Does that put them in jeopardy? The fact that they have their bike stored there that's beyond the, the well, that becomes illegal? I haven't heard of that person having an issue ever, but the bike can certainly be confiscated if it's spotted. Yeah. And it would be the moment you take it to the border, that's when it's going to be picked up or you get pulled over or something like that. Okay. Okay. So for leaving the keys though, um, do you, do you have any sort of recommendation, any thought process with that? Leave the keys, don't leave the keys, you know, leave your, like, like make it so that it can be moved. I think you leave the keys. You either trust the guy to leave with your bike or you don't. If you trust him with your bike, you leave him the keys because he may need to move it and it may be really, really difficult to move. Maybe a heavy bike. You may have to push it up a ramp much easier just leaving the keys. I mean, if it comes down to it, he can go to the local dealer and buy a new ignition switch for the bike. If, he was, if he's going to steal it, you mean? If he's going to steal it or yeah. do something stupid with it. So just yeah. leave him the keys. Right. Say to him, in other words, that I trust you. Here's the keys. Mm-hmm. That's always a good thing. Is there anything else you, you think that we should cover on, on this? Um... There's so many different rules and regulations. And I, I think we need to say that it depends completely on each country. We've mentioned that country A, country B, side by side, can be completely different rules and regulations. Um, understanding what, for instance, a TIP is. A TIP is a temporary import permit, or a TVIP is a temporary vehicle import permit, basically the same thing. And that's the document that says your bike is allowed to stay for a certain period of time. Now, that document may be stamped into your passport. It may be a piece of paper that's stapled into your passport, or they may not use it at all. 
if it's in your passport either by either method, then you can't leave the country without the bike, period. Well, what do you do then? If, if it, let's, let's say a medical emergency. Then if, well, if you are physically incapacitated, I think they'll probably not even notice. But if you are getting on an airplane to fly out, they're going to look at the tip and say, where's the bike? You can't do this. And they're going to turn you away. In which case you must go to customs and explain the situation, deal with them in one way or another, um, put it into bond, give it to them and say goodbye, whatever. But you're going to have to deal with customs. I think the, an important thing to keep in mind is that customs is not somebody you never, ever, ever want to talk to. If you've got a problem, talk to them. Sit down and try and get the, the most important guy you can find, the head of customs in the capital city. Get the big guy and say, look, friend to friend, you know, reach out and shake his hand when you walk into his office. Say, hi, and you know, I've got a bit of a problem. I'm really hoping you can help me with it. And that will help you get started. And people are pretty good. I found that they're generally very willing to help a traveler in their country solve a problem. Talk to them correctly, you know, in a friendly manner, explain, don't try and hide anything. This is what situation and see what they can do for you. Generally, I've heard, I've heard nothing but good stories. Okay, Grant, that's great. Thank you. No, oh, you're welcome. I hope it helps a few people out there. And of course, stop by the website. There's many, many threads and long discussions on where you can leave your bike and what the rules are. And every country is different and, you know, it's, there's so many discussions on this because this is not something that comes up rarely. It comes up a lot. A lot of people do the six-month travel and then they're back home for six months or they're on a nine-month and back home for a couple of months, visit their family, whatever. There's lots of reasons for leaving your bike in lots of different places. So check it out. There's lots of information there. Thank you very much. The only other one I was going to ask you, and I, and I forgot to, was the, um, do you, are there, are there like, or is it, maybe it's a lot of countries, but I was going to say, do you, do you know if there's um, some countries that are easier to leave the bikes in and do you happen to know them? <laughs> that's quite a list. Uh, that's a difficult one to answer. I'll do it as best I can, but it changes is the first rule. Everything changes. All these rules, anything I tell you today could be completely wrong tomorrow. All rules change. Get the latest information you possibly can. And when you get close, check on the way online, see what the latest information is. But as a, a general rule, um, Europe, you can do about six months. You can leave your bike. Uh, Canada, 12 months. But really, and, and here's something that maybe we should cover. There's 12 months in Canada, yes. But realistically, it's indefinite. Is there is no check that you've left with the bike at all. You exit the country. You drive out. Canada Customs doesn't stop you. There is no place to stop unless you really wanted to. You just drive out. So they don't know that you've left with the bike. The U.S. is the same. So this is, um, hang on, so this is on, on a, like sort of a, that's the official stance that you're not supposed to leave it more than 12 months in yes, Canada, for instance. But um, the only way you're going to get caught is if they ask you and you tell them. Yes. Or if you stop or if you get pulled over at 16 months, they're going to look at your um, passport when you entered and stuff. And say, you know, what's going on here? This is a little funny. But few police will even go that deep. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a, uh, yeah, 
technically not legal, but you'll probably get away with it. However, I would want to say that there's, there's a lot of information on the internet, including on our site. Well, somebody says, well, I did this and it was fine and they didn't ask. Well, yeah, but it's technically illegal. So whilst that person got through, that doesn't mean you will. And the rules six months ago were X and they're different now. So you could get caught just because it's somebody's gotten away with it. Doesn't mean that's the rule. Yeah. Be very, very careful because in a lot of these countries, as I said, for Egypt, they just take the bike away. That's it. It's gone. Um, they can also throw you in jail because you're a smuggler. And a lot of these countries, you don't want to spend any time in their jail. <laughs> No. So, you know, you, you want to be erring on the side of caution, get it right, know the rules, understand what the flexibility levels are, understand how to get an adjustment if necessary. Uh, basically, pay attention. Don't do stupid. And, and you started to say the countries that you, you think are easier to leave oh, the bikes in? Of course. Well, it's going to get Canada, USA. Uh, Uruguay, you can leave a bike for 12 months without any problem. Willie Motors in Montevideo, excellent legal bike parking for a year. He fixes your bike and services it, charges the battery and does all kinds of stuff. Um, you can get up to eight months in Peru with care. Um, Ecuador, I mentioned fine is 365 us per day if you overstay. So don't overstay your original 90 day permit, but you can get a 90 day extension for instance. Um, Colombia, similar, um, Africa, Gambia, you can stay for a fair long time. Togo, you might be able to get six months, for instance. Um, oh, let's see. You can go up to 23 months in Mongolia, but you got to pay and it's got to be sitting in a bonded warehouse. Um, nine months in Kazakhstan. So there's lots of ranges. Australia, you're under a carnet, so it is... Basically, it's all based on the length of time that your carne is good for. Europe's pretty flexible. Mexico, if you want to stay, leave your bike in Mexico for a while. You want to do it in, leave it in Quintana Roo. It's a free state. So the TVIP is, re, is revoked. It's, you, you can cancel it and you can leave it there. But anywhere else, nope, can't do it. Um, let's see, Bali, you can leave a bike for a length of time. Cambodia, yep. Nepal is not bad. Uh, Bulgaria is okay. Uh, let me think. Where else? Uh, yeah, those are the main ones. Again, spend some time on the website. <laughs> All right. Okay, does that help? That's great. Thanks, Grant. Okay, you're welcome. Have fun, everybody. Get out there and ride. Grant Johnson from Horizons Unlimited. Uh, the website is horizonsunlimited.com. And the link that he's talking about for the communities is just forward slash uh, communities. So it's uh, horizonsunlimited.com forward slash communities. That link will be in the show notes along with everything else.
Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and you, of course, thank you very much for being a part of this, for listening to the show. Drop by our website and look at the show notes for this episode. We have that list in there that um, Ron gave us for prepping your bike for storage and then also for reviving the bike afterwards. I think it's pretty important. It's worthwhile I'm taking and making a little printout of. Feel free. And the other thing I'd like you to do while you're at the website is click on the support button. We need your support. It's built on a model of advertising and listener support. And anything $10 or more gets you a sticker sent at you. Anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our Raw show. And we would love you to consider our patron program so we can count on you every month. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be the, the price of a cup, a cup of coffee or something. But um, we need your support. So anyway, drop by and check it out. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. Talk to you next week. This is Harold Cecil from Giant Loop, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 